this one time at game. Even as the city was exploding and the buildings were collapsing, it was quiet. The room is filled with the kind of silence that only permeates a space insulated from echoes and extraneous noise by the soft, sound-absorbing presence of millions of old books. The loudest sound was the clacking of two D10s rattling across the hard table, letting our heroes know that we'd saved the innocents caught inside all of those collapsing buildings. It was 1989, in the library of Hanover Central High School in Cedar Lake, Indiana. My best friend at the time, Paul, and I were the heroes, and our adventure was being presented by a mutual friend whom, for now, we'll just call Patch. But that's not his real name. So I was playing in my very first role-playing game. It was the 1984-released Marvel Superheroes, using that still kind of quirkily popular Fosrip system. Hanover Central was a tiny school at the time. I had only 92 kids in my graduating class, and this was before being a geek was cool. We geeks were just nerds, and we were subjected to being picked on and made fun of. So we'd eat our lunch as quickly as we could, and then we'd hurry down to the school library where we could tabletop for about 20 minutes. It took dedication and determination to be a geek in those days, and you snatched that time to do it whenever you could. Paul lives in Los Angeles these days, and I'm in Tennessee still playing role-playing games and embracing the now more acceptable role as a geek. I have no idea where Patch ended up, but I often wonder where he is. Not so much because he introduced me to this great hobby, but rather because he was the first storyteller who ran role-playing games for me, who would eventually reveal to me that he was actually a demon. Okay, now roll for initiative. Listening to On a Roll, the podcast that helps you level up your role-playing game. Tabletop, LARP, mush, and everything in between. We're not better gamers than you. We just all have different experiences to share. And maybe those experiences can help you have more fun in your role-playing game. Because the only way to win at playing a role-playing game is to have fun. Have fun. I like having fun. I do too. I also like pie. Oh, we should have had pie. I didn't know that was an option. I am Ryan, the curmudgeon. I'm Carrie. She's the legend. And I'm Jason, the favorite. Uh, All right, well, this is our very first podcast, so I think the first thing we ought to do, because first things are first, is to let everybody know just who we are. So, I've been playing role-playing games since 1989. Uh, that's, That's when I played my first tabletop. I've been LARPing since 2001, and my very first LARP was actually Carrie's Werewolf the Apocalypse game. In yes, Rumble it was. And then I've been mushing since about 2007. I was one of the guys who helped found the Guru Nation LARP organization in 2005. I was a tribal moderator for a few years. I did all of their uh, admin and bylaw rules, writings, and policies till about 2011, Uh, And then I was with Underground Theater, another LARP organization. I was the communications director for, for like, four years. 
Uh, I'm just the old guy who's just done a bunch of stuff. And is old. And has baggage because of it. (laughs) (laughs) So I'm the curmudgeon. I'm Carrie. Um, I have been uh, role-playing since high school. You don't need to know what year that is. Um, I've been mushing since 2010. I've been LARPing since right out of high school. I started with a boffer LARP, and I then uh, quickly fell into the World of Darkness LARPs. I'm sorry. Um, I know, right? And um, I've story told in One World by Night, TGN, and Underground Theater. I've held positions in a couple of those orgs as well. And I've been storytelling since pretty much non-stop since 2001. You're the legend. And you're the favorite. Favorite. Okay, so uh, I started regularly role-playing around 95 with various tabletop games. Uh, I kind of got into it out of the wargaming and uh, card community. A guy came by and introduced the idea of Boffer LARPs to me. Uh, and so I went to that game, Shattered Owls, for several years, most of the run. So your first LARP was a Boffer LARP. Yes, my first LARP was a Boffer LARP, like, like Carrie. And uh, then from there, I met a lot of friends who also played in the old uh, Camarilla organization. So we started playing that. Eventually, uh, me and my wife got into every venue, and uh, I ran Changeling for a couple of years for them back then. Uh, after we got out of that, we went back to tabletopping for a long time. And finally, when uh, we met Ryan and Carrie, we started LARPing again, playing in their Guru game, which was part of the Guru Nation. After doing that for a while, eventually when they retired, I took over the Gru game and we started a new uh, Chronicle. That ran for about a year. Then we joined Underground Theater and we started running a vampire game together. After about six months of that, I took over as organizational storyteller for the Cam Anarch um, venue. Venue. But what I'm going (laughs) to say is the the often forgotten uh, independent alliance part of the venue. That's fair. Yes. and I was OST for two and a half years, and I stepped down because I'd been doing a lot of work with uh, Binance Studios on their think tanks and other things. I eventually wanted to develop my own products, and I didn't have time to be organizational storyteller anymore. It was a great experience, though. I learned a ton, and now we're here. That's awesome. I agree. So why are we doing this podcast? I don't know. <laughs> well, you know, the, the beginning is just that uh, at some point, a few years ago, I wrote a book called On a Roll, Level Up Your RPG. And the book basically is based around this idea that, you know, the only way to win at a role-playing game is to have fun. It's not like, you know, Monopoly where at the end of the night everybody counts the money and you can tell who wins because, you know, Carrie had the most money. Does she... anyone ever actually win at Monopoly, But, though? but to be because... fair, even games like that, if you're not having fun, you're not winning. Right, right. But in a, in, in a role-playing game, you know, you slay the dragon, you save the princess, you collect the gold, and then you end for the night and come back next week and you do it all again, except the next week it's a lich instead of a dragon. So the only real way to, to win, we think, at a role-playing game is to have fun. And so the other piece to this is that one of the things we fight with as gamers is the gamer ego. All of us think that we know how to run our games or play our games better than everyone else. No one can run my game as well as I can. Uh, nobody can Nobody can play this character as well as I can. Uh, nobody can tell this story for my character as well as I can. And so it makes 
learning difficult for all of us as gamers. You know, I'm, my, my day job is in public relations, and there are conferences all the time where my peers are giving speeches and doing presentations on how to be better at public relations. Not because they are better than I am, but because they've had a different experience in the field than I have. And so there's things for me to learn. And with gaming, we don't do that. And so part of the reason I wrote the book was to move towards doing that. And now we're trying to do that here with this podcast. And it's really easy to get caught in that trap. I ran a D&D game that ran almost two years. And, and we all had a good time, but I wouldn't even read box adventures because I felt like that people who are making a living writing adventures could not know as much as me who had been running a game for two just, whole years. Yeah, for two whole years, right? <laughs> uh, and it, it's really easy trap. And it took me about 10 years to get to the point where I realized that uh, even box adventures, which are some people don't want anything to do with, and I'm probably never going to actually run one. And other people love them. But other people do love them, and there's nothing wrong with that. Uh, they have something to say. There's, there's interesting things in there, even if it's just figuring out a clever new trap or uh, a new way to run an enemy. Or that's that, useful. But you know what? Even if, it, if there's not anything new or exciting, if it's new and exciting to the new person who's never played before and it opens up that door... And allows them to have fun. Right. Then it's worth it. I remember when I was in the Guru Nation uh, organization, there was a big national game, and we were talking about. And this is kind of one of the the sparks that lit the fire to make to make my book happen. Is there all of the storytellers there were like, you know what, you've been doing this a long time, Ryan. You should do a Saturday morning because this was like a big a weekend long event they were like Saturday morning you should do a a quick like storytelling 101 to help so, to help people just tell better stories and run better games and I said sure great I would I would love to do that and I had several like every single storyteller that was in attendance said yes do that that will be awesome so I spent Friday night getting everything planned Saturday morning came, I showed up, and no one else did. And, no. <laughs> I was so mad because I wanted to sleep in, and I had to go to your, go to this, and I remember to sitting there me. to support you, and all I kept thinking was, I just want to go back to bed. <laughs> and, and it's crazy because you gave a similar uh, presentation at the first Underground Theater convention, and there was like six of us. No, right. I'd say the first Underground Theater, the first by night convention yeah there was only like six of us in the room and it was it was an amazing uh uh talk i loved it i appreciate that yeah um but when i asked later saturday i started asking all of these people who said yes do this you know why weren't you there and every single one of them said well no 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 no, no. i didn't mean for me i meant <laughs> i meant you know bob you know, in, in this other game, like, he needs help. I, I'm good. I, I know how to run my game. To be fair, Bob's a terrible storyteller. <laughs> <sighs> oh, Bob. And, and it's frustrating because I think at the end of the day, we really do, we all want to run better games. And we all want to have more fun. And now with the internet, you know, the internet is creating a bit of a world without experts. And, and it, where everyone believes they are an expert, but none exist anymore you know it's creating a society where if everybody everybody can have a blog whether they can write or spell or do grammar or anything it doesn't it doesn't matter is that a crack up my spelling no (laughs) 
I have a blog, so I'm an expert. I played I played LARP for one month. I'm an expert now. Well, I think there's another side to that, too, uh, because now we have things like the Living Game Conference. Right. And uh, I don't know how to pronounce it, but it's Nukpunkt, the yeah. one in... Uh, yeah. Uh, uh, one of the Nordic countries. Knuk Yes. And spelled. Right. We have people who are giving presentations on any of better LARPs. And, and what I they hope. record them on YouTube, and a lot of those videos are really great. They're not necessarily our style of game, but you can learn a lot from them. Uh, the problem is not people willing to give those speeches. It's people willing to hear them. Well, if you go... Well, I haven't been to any of the conferences yet, but I watch a lot of the videos on YouTube. It's full rooms. It's packed houses. That's great. So at the place, those people want to do better. And a lot of the people that are in the audiences are people who are literally LARP professionals, people who make their living running games. I think that's the difference. Professionals want to learn. Right. Whereas amateurs don't. And so it becomes very much like what, what I was talking about with like my PR peers. Right. They are fellow game runners. Yes. Yeah. And I think that's uh, the difference that we may slowly be seeing. Yes, there's a million blogs out there and a million, well, I won't say there's a million roleplay podcasts because there's <laughs> not a million yet, but people... Million and one now. There's, yes, there's, there's one more. Uh, as, as we continue, people are listening and, and learning more. And even if half of them are people who have no idea what they're talking about, it doesn't matter because people are learning to listen. Right. And I think that's where that's going to go in the future. I hope so. Another reason why we're doing this, and this is this is just as important as we're all friends, and we like to hang out, and we do like to talk about game theory and all this type of stuff. And so, like, I think that's also, like, that's important. We're having fun. Right. So we're winning the podcast. That's right. Because <laughs> you and can listen to podcasts. Those guys aren't having any fun, but, usually. But the only no. way to win at podcasting is to have fun. <laughs> I thought the only way to win at podcasting was to make money. Well. <laughs> so... So since this is the first podcast, we thought it was important to tell everybody sort of why why we're doing it and who we are um, and warn you, you know, Carrie is the legend, Jason is the favorite, and I am the curmudgeon. You know, you will probably hear things from us that uh, at some times you don't agree with, and that's what's great about, uh, about game theory is that everybody's got a different one. Mm -hmm. um, and we've got a Facebook page, which Ryan will tell us because I don't remember. It is facebook.com slash groups slash on a roll podcast. And so people can go there and leave us their thoughts or suggestions on things you'd like to hear us talk about. Or hate mail. Or hate mail for everyone but Jason because he's the favorite. Right. So this is our first podcast and we thought what better thing to talk about than our first games so today's topic is first games. So let's go ahead at this point and enter combat rounds. Yeah. So Carrie, tell us about your first role-playing game. This is not a good story. <laughs> they, they never are. That's uh, why they're great stories. No, this is like for real not a good story. I would like to point out that my first role-playing book I ever got was Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles and Other Strangeness. Nice. And I got that in middle school. I didn't actually play it <laughs> because the mechanics were a little out there for someone who had never role-played before at all. Well, and yeah, yeah, at all, you know. And so, like, it was more like I just like reading the clip it so it was a math heavy system it was wasn't it? It, yeah wasn't it the was it the rifts system it was is that correct yeah. yes 
And um, so I, I had that. I still have that book. Like, it's one of my favorite books. Um, but uh, in high school, I became friends with the, the, uh, the artsy bad boys. And, uh, and they were, of course, you know, nerds and geeks. And so they decided that they were going to take me to their to go play D&D. Uh, with their regular group. And so I rolled into this room with eight guys. I only knew two of them. And, and what they the, and you were the only And girl. I was the only female there. Oh, so, and it's, I was, so it's just like all of gaming today still. Yeah. <laughs> and I was the youngest one there. And so like when there was how like what's when you say youngest? I think I was a sophomore and they were all juniors. Okay. All right. And so, like, I was a little uncomfortable because I didn't know these guys. And then they didn't tell me that it was a chaotic evil game. Oh. Was it? Like, there's two kinds of chaotic evil games, <laughs> right? Yeah. There's the one which is just, like, the like there's the well-thought-out one where we're the villains and we're going to do all this cool villainous stuff. And then there's the other one where people just want to yell rape a lot. Yeah, there was rape yelled. Okay, so <laughs> oh, so it was that one. Yeah, it was that one. And by by rape yelled, I mean just in the middle of the campaign. Also, I didn't build my character. They just handed me a sheet. Oh, well, that's always good. Yeah, I, I don't even remember. I remember <laughs> it was a girl. It was that memorable. Well, they um, had to have somebody to rape. Yeah, and, that was awful. Yeah, no, it was awful because because they just turned around. One of them turned around that didn't know me at all and went i'm gonna rape her and pointed at me and i didn't know what to do there's no dice that say to not get raped you know like (laughs) in a saving throw versus rape yeah like i was like (laughs) no and i stood there and my two friends who brought me thought it was funny because they're high school idiots and i stood there and i went i i i and then the dungeon master Thankfully, something clicked with him, and he went, "What am I running? This is terrible." And he rolled a bunch of dice behind the screen. I'm sure that they meant nothing. And like all behind the screen, rolls. exactly. And he goes, "She disappears," and the whole table went, "Oh, what do you mean?" And he's like, "She's teleported away." And then he pulled me off into a side room and said, "I'm not letting this happen to you." After the game was over, he said, "I'm ending this campaign." I'm no longer doing this. And then the next time he ran a game, he invited me, and there were five other girls. And at that point, he only ran games for girls. I I think that's fascinating because all of us around the table know that that's a terrible game. The one one you started with. We all know that. Yeah. But a sophomore or a junior in high school... They think only they're ever being been, edgy. Right, and they've only <laughs> ever been exposed to other dudes, mm-hmm. right? And a very specific kind of dude. And that's why sometimes it's great to be exposed to other people because you're like, yeah. oh, wait, I was a terrible person yeah. and I never realized I was a terrible person and until this, is, this moment. And this is also late 80s, early 90s. So this is before the the cultural awareness that is be, that is right. we're right. in the middle of now. Or, you know. Now, I would like to point out... I mean, rape was still bad in the 80s. Yeah. I'm not <laughs> yeah, saying like, that it wasn't. I'm just saying, though, like that today there's a much greater awareness yes. of... It's bad. Yeah. Like, like in, you know. Like we, we even shouldn't even joke tell out. jokes about it. Right? Yeah. Yeah. Um, but I, I would like to point out that uh, <laughs> Jesse also, I think, had an ulterior motive for running a game for all girls. He was he, a teenage boy. Uh, he was. Um, 
And what would happen is after the game, we'd all watch a movie or, you know, hang out or whatever. And he didn't, it was in his bedroom. Now, I'd like to, <laughs> hold on. But I'd like he was to, a teenage boy. Where else is he going to have people over? Yeah, well, <laughs> yes and no. Um, he, yes had, and he, had, he had a huge bedroom. So, like, the, ta- the table we gained sure. down was in his room and all that. Right, right. And then we'd all crash on his bed and watch a movie. Sure. And it was just, like, lounging. But you could tell he was just, like... Why was I ever running for guys? <laughs> no, there's no rape in his D&D campaign, but there is seduction. Yeah. <laughs> I, I've got an important That's question fantastic. that any teenage boy that might be listening in the future, mm-hmm. did it work? Oh, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I did. There you I'm, go. There you go. Yeah. He, was, he was my first boyfriend. Run run LARP and D&D for women exclusively. And and don't be a jerk about it. And oh, well, also that. Yeah, that kind of helps. Yeah. So yeah, so my it, it is amazing when I look back that I actually continued role playing. After well, that, that was going to be my first question: is why are you here now? <laughs> right? Because um, if that was my first experience. Because then I don't know that I would have ever come back. Because I could tell if it wasn't for the type of campaign, mm-hmm. I could tell that I was like, this is something I would enjoy because I knew that regular Dungeons and Dragons. Was about slaying the dragon and saving the princess. Right. And, and I wanted that. And they wanted to be the dragon. Yeah. And you know what? If I could go back and 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 uh, tell my high school self, you know, like, here's the roles you needed to make. Go kill them. I would. Because, you know, like, that would be a way better story. Isn't it fascinating how powerful role playing is? Because, like... If you'd went to any other kind of activity in which the people jokingly said they were going to rape you, mm-hmm. like, that's it. I'm done with whatever yeah, absolutely. that is forever. <laughs> but with role-playing, you're like, you know what? Those guys are jerks, but I really want to do this still. Well, <laughs> I, I, also, though, I think that it's the fact that Jesse said no. Yes, yes. Jesse put his foot down and went, oh, my goodness, no. What is happening here? Okay, my first experience is a little complicated because, like... <laughs> Uh, <laughs> was there rape? No, there was no rape, but there probably could have been if the campaign had continued because it was also sort of a chaotic evil campaign. Oh. But so it starts kind of weird. I, I had <laughs> always wanted to, to role play because I'd heard about it, and but I lived in a very rural area. So, like, you know, it's like a 10-minute walk to the next person's house when I was growing up. And if they weren't into role playing, then didn't matter, you know? Right. right. And so uh, I watched the D&D cartoon, of course. <laughs> and, of course, it was amazing. And I it's went so out. It's so bad now. And and shut your mouth, woman. Oh, I bought the complete set and just it's terrible. about six months ago. And acrobatic. <laughs> <laughs> so, so, we, uh, so I really wanted to get into role playing. And I thought, well, i got to buy the book. I knew that, so I go to McKay's back when, when that is, was a thing. When is this? Oh, is love. This, is this late eighties? Well, is this high school? Is this no, no, no. This is before high school, junior but, high, maybe. Yeah, well, we didn't, our school was too small to have a junior high. Uh, <laughs> when Ryan said he went to a small school, I was like, my whole school only had four hundred people. There was like eighty people who actually graduated. <laughs> but uh, anyway, oh so when. I knew I wanted to roleplay. I go to McKay's and buy a book, but I don't know what to buy at all. So I buy the Thieves Handbook for D&D, and I read it, and it was amazing. I loved it. Uh, it didn't actually give me enough information to, to play anything. And I sort of tried to find some places to play over the years, and I could never find anything. 
And then I met this friend in high school, John Burns, and he had been into table topping for a while because he lived in a subdivision. A few people would come over and play, and his brother, James, was also into role-playing a lot. And he would give me books that they had, like I read uh, First Edition Mage, I guess, uh, and I read uh, GURPS and something else. I can't remember. But I read several books that he had that were role-playing books. Right. But then they would never actually run anything. And for years, I'd be like, hey, when are, you know, when are we going to play? Because I've read this book. I made a character. Let's play. Right. And then, no, nah, well, <laughs> we're not. Because he had really gotten out of it. He wasn't really into it anymore by the time he was in high school. And then finally, somebody wanted to play. And it was this insane, over-the-top kind of sort of evil campaign where we're all playing AD&D, but you're like demigods and you have all this equipment. And it was way over my head what I could do. Mm -hmm. And I had no idea how to play. So we played for like two hours. And then that was it for years. And then finally, (laughs) I got to play in a, uh, a good Shadowrun campaign for a while. That was a lot of fun. And uh, while I'm involved in that and doing some tabletop wargaming, I met Ian Lemke, and he was doing a tour of game stores to get people to come to the new game. He was running Shattered Isles, and it was a Boffer LARP, and, I, man, I fell in love with Boffer LARPing. And from there, everything else, just like I was talking about before. Ian Lemke's, like, kind of famous now. Well, he's the changeling. He's the guy who wrote Changeling, and he is also the guy who... Uh, uh, he did a lot of writing for White Wolf back in the day. Yeah. Mostly, on, like I said, in the changing line. But then he also works for Zenimax Online now, I believe. How cool is it to be able to say that, like, Ian Lemke got me into gaming? Yeah, well, that's yeah. Pretty, that's pretty great. And you know what? I had a great time at his LARP. Uh, I mean, of course, looking back, there's things I think, oh, okay, well, I would do that differently with 20 years hindsight. But, you know, by and large, I had a great time. And uh, I... It was, it was weird because almost everybody there was either from Nero, which is, of course, another very large buffer LARP, or they were White Wolf gamers. So it was a weird mix of people who came in crushed velvet midnight black capes <laughs> yeah. and people who were there with their hyper-fast uh, ultralight weapons and combat boots. And it was a weird mix, and it was had a, had a lot of fun for years. It's where I met my wife, Marty. Uh, she It was absolutely her first role-play experience. And uh, she came in, and we got to talking, and uh, like a year later, well, probably a year and a half later, we're married. And it was great. Uh, so when it, when people say, you know, what's role-playing done for you? I'm like, it's given me a life and a family. <laughs> yeah. Right. Uh, but that's true of, of y'all, too. Yeah. yeah it's yeah. true. Carrie was my very first LARP storyteller. So. Yeah. A long, long time. So long ago. <laughs> you know, I think it's a, it's a weird thing, and we've talked about it before, that if people get married that LARP, either they double down and they LARP forever, or you never see them again. Yeah. Right? More likely that you never see them again, it seems like. But, I think that's probably true. But maybe it's closer to 50-50. I, I don't know. Clearly, we need a large study. <laughs> Clearly. Yeah. The world needs that. The world needs that. Well, the very first... <clears throat> role-playing game I ever played, as as I said in the opening, was the Marvel Superheroes game. The old phase rip, phase rip, I don't know exactly how they say it. I, like, I always like to call it the face rip system, but it was basically this big complex chart of yellow, red, and green. Mm. It was like a stoplight. Yeah. And you rolled D10s on the chart and, and you would go across the grid with your power levels and determine you know, whether or not you got a red, yellow, or green you know, which was basically like failure. Eh, you did OK. 
yay, or you made it. Um, and, uh, you know, we played that in the, the library at my high school for, you know, a year. And, uh, but the really kind of the, <laughs> the, the big interesting thing, piece of that story is that, uh, that was the first time I had, uh, one of my storytellers, you know, come out of the closet to reveal that they were actually a demon. <laughs> I, I, the word that really kind of sticks out in that sentence is first. <laughs> isn't it? Isn't it weird? Because uh, it's like, ha- yeah. <laughs> you meet a lot of people in, to me, especially LARP, but in the role-playing community in general that are different. <laughs> and not to say that I'm average or normal, but... Uh, well, people I, feel more comfortable being that kind of person right. around around us. Well, I, you know, I, I call him Patch, and the reason we call I call him Patch is because I don't want to say who he really. You know, I don't want to sure. give his real name because uh, I don't want people to know that there is a demon in their midst. Sure, but, sure. <laughs> <laughs> that's a different game. Right, we'll talk about that game later. Uh, but he had the demon's name that cohabitated his body. The sure. demon's name was Logan. And, I, you know, in hindsight, I'm pretty sure it was because Wolverine was just starting to become popular. And to be so, fair, Wolverine is really cool. Right. And so that's why we're, we're calling him Patch. But he would basically, like, switch. I, I want to say that I just got that joke. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so he would switch... You know, it was almost like a, a second person. It was like he had multiple personalities. Right. So Patch would just sort of go back into the headspace and Logan would come out. And Logan was a mean, evil demon who was very intellectual and smart. Um, and at one point, uh, I made... Logan so angry that he actually put his hands around my neck and choked me. Who hasn't had that happen to right? Me? <laughs> at, especially at a you know at a game. Um, and so anyway, in hindsight today, one of the things that I do know is that eventually he revealed that he was homosexual. And but in, as part of that process, and remember we're talking about you know late eighties, early nineties, um, and in you know, little Northwest Indiana, so much less accepting era in a much less accepting region. And you know, he had even went through a spell where, like, he was in a... Uh, he had went to become, like, a, a monk or a, a priest or something, yeah. you know, kind of to... I don't know, maybe to, to cure himself of his of being gay or something. I don't, I don't really know. You know, after high school, we kind of kind of drifted apart, but... I, I think personally that maybe this, the, you know, this demon was was actually, I mean, maybe truly just a, a persona that had been created because of his inability to deal with the fact that that he was gay. Well, clearly he was um, under a great deal of stress. There was there was definitely, but there was definitely something wrong. And to this day, I would say that whatever was happening was real. You know, I'm yeah, yeah. You're saying he's not just being right. weird. I'm. I'm a He's Christian. actually going through something. I'm a Christian. As a Christian, you know, I believe in, in heaven and hell and God and demons and all those things. Uh, I don't believe that Logan was a demon. <laughs> but I believe Logan existed. And, right. He was literally going through something. Yes. And I, I that suspect, was an expression of it. Right. You know. All right. So I have two questions. Sure. My first um, is, I mean, you said you don't know much, but you believe he's 
doing better now. Oh, it yeah. sounds like to, okay. To my knowledge, he's he's that fine that's now. that's the, that's the good question. Right now, my my mean kind of snarky question is: Was Logan a better? Uh, DM. Damn it, that was my question. <laughs> <laughs> I should have said on that question. Uh, you know, Logan did. Uh, Logan did not run games for us. Logan no. was a game. <laughs> okay, fair. So, yeah. like, I used to have a storyteller, and he was a he was a cool dude, but uh, he believed that he ran game high just as well as he did. Oh, <laughs> that was not true. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, so that's the story of my first DM or Demon Master. Demon Master, obviously. <laughs> For all the uh, people who read the the chick uh, right. tracks, that's us. But know. I did have a second Demon Master. That's yes, a whole other which is podcast. Whole, that, that's this is the one about Carrie, right? No. <laughs> <laughs> so, but it's it's kind of uh, yeah. You run into some unusual unusual people. I guess in, well, in I gaming, think, but I think gaming is also a safe place, right? Because you've in, already accepted that you're weird, or yeah, you know, you're already it's, a geek or a nerd or whatever. whatever yeah. More so and, years ago, even than today, as, mm-hmm. as geekdom has become more accepted. popular. In fact, there there might be some downsides to that. I mean, it, I sound like the old dude suddenly, and that's your job, right? But like, <laughs> it can't be as accepting now. In some ways, it is more so, but also, it's not weird anymore. Right. Normal people go to Dragon Con. More normal people go to Dragon Con than, you know, gamers and nerds. It's actually making gamers and nerds elite. Right. Well, yes, which I you, don't like. You haven't been into Star Wars the whole time. What do you mean you liked episode one? You know, and so suddenly, like, there's this, well, you're not geeky enough or well, nerdy uh, I enough. I despise that. Yeah. I liked Star Wars before it was cool. Oh, I think God. that's important. But so before it but came be, out, but to like, be fair, before anybody be fair, heard of he's it, he's also very old. Yeah. So that's just you know timing. Like, I was born at the first showing of it. My uh, <laughs> like my mom's water broke and she's like, nope, we're gonna wait to the end. <laughs> True story. My my mom tells me that the very first movie she ever took me to was Star Wars. And I was, you know, I mean, I was born in 74. Yeah. And so, uh, you know, so I would have been toddler or, or you know, certainly very young. And mm-hmm. and she says that I slept through the whole thing. <laughs> Clearly, it's a very relaxing movie. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So. Especially the soundtrack. <laughs> so let's let's kind of explore a little bit then this idea of, of first games. You know, how do we... Okay, so Carrie, you were recruited by a friend. Yeah, by my art friends. All right, and Jason, you sort of sought it out at first. Right, and then finally I found people who wanted to play. Right. It felt like it took forever. I found out about it from from Patch. Um, he, he was a huge comic book person and wanted to run, you know, his own comic book stories, and, and so we would, we would play that. Were you guys the the only new player at your game? Uh, I was. Generally, I was the person for the first several years with the least amount of experience. Well, me and my wife, because uh, after we met at Shattered Isles, we you know we played everything together. Right. Yeah, I was I was the only girl, the new person, and the youngest. <laughs> Let's explore for a second. What was the actual experience of joining 
the game like. And I, I don't mean like sort of the topical funny pieces of it that, that happened to us. For example, in LARP, we always j- talk about how they're the first like two games are couch games. Mm. You sit on the couch and don't interact with anyone because their characters don't trust your character and you don't know how to get involved yet. Right. That's a skill, and nobody tells you that. <laughs> What's that, getting involved? Yes, it's a, it's a Espe- definite skill. Especially, it, even more so in LARP and MUSH than tabletop. Well, at tabletop, you've got a person whose job it is to get you involved. Right. right. But at LARP, even a LARP that's in no way uh, player versus player. You know, like at Shattered Isles, I had a great time, but looking back, I realized I missed so much because I didn't understand yeah. the, the skill of being involved in stuff. That <laughs> was maybe there's a there might be a whole podcast episode to unpack there at some point about the skill of getting involved. I, yeah. I don't even know how to teach it because I've tried to tell people, hey, this is what you do, but it is so tricky. Right. Well, how did and and maybe it wasn't this first game. Maybe it was your first LARP or your first mush or your you know, but whatever. Other t- category of role playing game firsts. How did how did your first experiences affect how you played or or ran games later, like like today when you think about your first times? Well, Carrie's probably the one who's ran the most games, so yeah, she's probably. the legend. I, yeah. she's the legend. Um, well, ironically, my my first LARP, the the Boffer I oh. played in, I actually helped storytell it. Of course I did. I had no idea what I was doing. Um, They handed me a cup with dice in it. And and a Boffer LARP. uh Mm-hmm. Is that... There's some that use randomizers for stuff. Yeah. And uh, because we we weren't doing, like, points hitting head and all that. And and they told me, just go run it. And I said, well, what's... What are the dice? Like, what do they need? What do they need to roll? And they were like, you know. So... So literally, I was rolling it and just making up stuff. So were they... They weren't doing combat with foam weapons? No, we had foam weapons, and they would play around, but, like, I would, they would, you know, and then I'd be like, they would, you know, smacky, smack the bad guys or whatever, and then I would be like, oh, you did four points of damage. That's interesting. I've never heard of that. So it's it was it's kind of a combination. It was homegrown, like there Very was homegrown. yeah. It was yeah. like we were just on the cuff doing. All I remember is at one point, one of the encounters, they had me do a Monty Python trail. Okay, that sounds <laughs> and, great already. And and so I actually had to uh, NPC, which is non-player character, uh, the the white bunny. Yes, and and like they didn't get that they couldn't kill it. Right. That they had because to run just away. Kept hitting it, yes. Like, you have to run away. That's the whole joke of it. And apparently the entire group I had had never seen Monty Python. So they didn't realize what They was didn't going realize on. they had to run away. And that's, so, like, I just murdered everyone with a white bunny. Well, that's such a... Okay, it took me a long time to realize that you, you can't run plots where the solution is to run away. Yeah. Because players... Don't no no because they want to win. It's not just they about want to, well, and they also want to engage. And, to, they want and to, to be fair, it is a game they expect to win. Mm-hmm. I don't even think it's that. Uh, that's certainly a component. But think about it: when we role play, especially when we're early and new at it, we're falling back on movies and books, right. in which you're following a protagonist. But in a especially a LARP, you're not necessarily what we would call a protagonist. Right. Because there may not be one. In fact, yeah. in the perfect LARP, there's not really a single protagonist. Or, sure. like, you're all just playing people. 
Now, those people may have wizard powers or whatever, but no one should be following the hero's journey because that takes away from everybody else. But I think that it's on some level, there is just a natural tendency for players to equate players as the protagonists and non-player characters, NPCs, as the antagonists. Right. Not necessarily equating who is good or evil. Right. But just, you know, antagonist versus protagonist. This story is about me. NPCs are just an obstacle in my way. And that is mostly true in a tabletop game. And what you just said, I think, nails it. Obstacles are meant to be overcome. Right. Now, I think that one of the ways that you resolve this is... You have to tell the players, hey, in this game, not everything can be defeated. Right. Some things are meant to be fled from. Right. You just have to let them know that. Yeah. And that can be difficult to communicate unless you just flat out And, and that's one of the things that, you know, as a storyteller, I had to learn. Yeah, it takes you a know, while to learn that stuff. Right, yeah. It's like you're like, I don't, I don't know. You know, I'm, the whole time I'm going, why are they not running away? Because I'm clearly going to win. I'm killing them all. Right. Why are they not running away? <laughs> I'd like also to point out in that LARP, in the Boffer LARP, I was the only girl there again. Right. It, like, at almost all of my first games, I was the only female. Really? I think it's amazing. Do you find that still true? Like when you go to your, I mean, when you go to the the your first game uh, in new new groups. Uh, no, I I think it, well definitely in LARP, there's a lot more females at least in the World of Darkness type of games. I don't really do Boffer LARPs anymore, so I don't know about that. Um, but. In in tabletop, it te- there still tends to be a little bit more guys than girls. I, I, I completely agree with that. I, it's been a while since I've been in a tabletop game with people that were essentially strangers. Mm-hmm. But if there were other girls there, it would be my wife, who might on her own seek out a tabletop game, but usually won't. Right. I think mostly because, in my experience, women like to play in games that uh, they trust the people, or at least trust one person there. Well, yeah, because if you don't, you show up and they all start chanting rape at you. Yeah, they run a rape game. Uh, but... And and, and that's a whole... A whole that's another episode. Culture. So, but at, but at LARP, Boffer LARP and in Pearl LARPs, both, my experience has been that it's either 50-50 or guys slightly edge out girls. Yeah. But I mean, like, that percentage is gotten so much better. Well, but and when was awesome. your when was your first Boffer LARP? When was that? Uh 94. Because my first Boffer LARP, Shattered Dallas, was around 96 and at that point, it that game was almost 50-50. That's awesome. Yeah. I mean, in fact, most also... of the people who become important later in the game were all the women. And it wasn't the creepy thing. It mm. was they, they were actually... better role players. That's awesome. Yeah. <laughs> it it could also be regional too. It could be regional. Cuz I was up It north. could just be that be that one game. Just so yeah, again. that could be. <laughs> there is a you know, there's the whole theory of, of playing to lose. The idea that if your if your character is not successful, that it can result in more interesting character developments. Right. I think that female LARPers tend to to play to lose more than. I think that's also true in Mush. Yeah. Which is typing LARP. Yes. <laughs> Basically. Yeah. So Jason doesn't mush. So he's going to be, say lots of snarky things. I used to. I used to. I used to play Muds and Mushes a lot, and then I discovered that they weren't great. 
because there was better stuff out there where I went to a room with other people. Oh, man, you are not the favorite right now. Well, <laughs> I, mean, I, mean, I, I get it. I really do. I, I briefly played in a Transformers mush that was a lot of fun. That's fun. And uh, that you had to apply to play a character, and there was no custom characters. You... Like, there was a person who applied to be Optimus Prime. Okay, right? so that was a every, huge deal. Everything was named. Everybody was named. had okay. to be from a book. That's cool. And, uh, like, it was, it was cool. It was fun. And I had some friends who played in a really great Gargoyles mush that was the same way. Uh, <laughs> right. And, you know, I played some MUDs back in the day. So we all, all of us were, our, our recruiting stories are pretty much just uh, a friend brought us along, more or less. Would you say that that's, that's the most common way you've seen people join games? Yeah, yeah but that's also the most common way anything. that you sell anything. You sell anything to anybody is somebody they know has to be willing to say, yes, this right. is cool. Yeah, and once people have already done, a, you know, played in a game or got the bug, then like a lot of times I'll get like messages on Facebook on the, uh, on my LARP. Right. Facebook page. So it's rare to see a new player, someone who is new to role-playing games at all, show up on their own. Now, to be fair, occasionally I've seen it at gaming stores. Back or or at conventions. Stores, and conventions right. sometimes. Yeah. But that person has already, for some reason, has chosen to go to that place. Right. Maybe it's because they watch the D&D cartoon. Or maybe <laughs> it's because they're a demon. <laughs> maybe it's because... Oh, no. <laughs> So what can you what can we do as as players and storytellers for people attending their first game whether it is their very first game as a player or if it's their first game in our group um, how what can we do to make them more welcome to me and this is something that I feel like that 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 y'all used to do back in the TGN Guru game is to throw them in the deep end give them something immediately that's important and dangerous. And then if they run with it, great. And if they're, if they're obviously uncomfortable with it, you back off. But you have to have that moment where you feel important. And people that are experienced, they know how to create those moments more, more or less. But if you're new, you don't. And that's something you, you're particularly canny with, Carrie, is you is it getting when you get a new player right after you've approved their character you give them a, a carrot yes um i i very much believe that a person's backstory uh you know like a lot of times people will have histories for their characters um and i love those those are like that's my bread and butter as a storyteller and um if i can read someone's history and they can tell me about their missing brother who, you know, they, they have nightmares of, you know, and want to rescue or, you know, they're searching for their grandmother's missing diamond ring and, or whatever that is. Um, I, 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 I like being able to weave people's histories with other characters' histories because if you can connect them to another character, that means they have someone that they can walk up to and go, hey, have you seen grandma's wedding ring or, have, you know. Right. Billy Bob Joe is missing or, you know, and, and that actually forces them to have to role play. Right. It gives them something or, to do. Or you turn it around and you send the new person off and then you pull the, the old player in and you say, hey, old player, 
this person looks familiar. They have grandma's ring on or or whatever, right. you know. And sometimes it's easier to do that way because the new player isn't sure how to approach an older player. Right. But if you have an experienced player, generally they want to include new players. They want to make the game better. And so use your use your players. I, I think, think that's, that's I think that's a big important part of it is is as players we need to not depend on the storytellers to do all the work with new players. You know, I think certainly certainly there's an element of responsibility the storyteller has, you know, whether he's he, the storyteller hands them a, a kernel, a piece of information that will help with, you know, you know that you've seen this one-armed man at McDonald's all the time. And that's always great. That's right. great stuff. You know, or you get you tie a background in or you mm-hmm. or something like that. But then I think also, you know, and that's important for the storytellers to do that, but I also think it's just as important that we as as players look around the room and we go, this is that guy's or girl's first night here and they have not moved off that couch or they have not rolled a single dice, you know, a single set of dice all night or they have not spoken at all this entire time. And I think or they, they pose not. Just standing there listening to everybody. Yeah, like right. And and I think as 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 the experienced players, it's part of our job to then look at them and go, well, what do you think? I think that uh, we talk about positive metagaming sometimes. Right. Yes. That is a perfect example. When you see somebody new, you should include them. I went to a game several years ago when I was playing Vampire, and the prince was dressing down everybody new, and and it sounds awful. But that moment when you got up there and you said, well, I'm from here, and then he tore you a new one, it's, you were in. You was like, I hate that guy. I've got to get some people together to do something about right. this. And, like, and since he, had, he just dressed down everyone, there was a group of people right. that hated him. And that and, was a player. And, and you and walk he, away, and somebody else walks up to you and go, man, that guy was just a total dick to you. So let's deal with that. Yeah. Right. And suddenly you've got an enemy. You've got people that you know. And you've got something to do, and everybody wound up loving it. Now, there is something to handling some people with kid gloves. Sure. But I love the idea of giving them something dangerous and immediate. Well, I don't, yeah. I don't mean to rabbit trail, but I just, to, to that story, I just want to note, I have always felt that the best Vampire the Masquerade LARP princes were always the loudest, Jerks. most intimidating jerk in the room. I, I personally all, love that. In character. In character, in character I yes. should say. But, but they have to be super cool out of character. To be able to pull that off. Yes. It's difficult to play the villain. Yes. It's easy to play a jerk. So how do we teach new players when they show they show up, they join our game for the first time, and, you know, I mean, all of these, you know, all of these things that we're talking about here at the end could certainly be their own, their own episode. But, right. But, you know... How can we quickly quickly teach a new player how to, to get out there and get involved? Right. Well, one of the things I do is I tell them, hey, you remember when you were a kid and you used to play pretend? Because pretty much everybody did. Right. I go, it's like that. And it gives them a moment where they're like, okay, I know what that is. I know how to handle that. Right. Or I say, hey, what's a character that you like from a book or a movie? And think about what they would do in a different situation. And that's what your character's like. And if you always try to act from the place where your character is, then you'll usually be doing the right thing. And if there's a problem, 
pull me aside and talk to me, and then we'll deal with it in case-by-case basis. Because you can't learn unless you're doing. Right. Well, in LARP, I always make sure that the new player knows... There, there's hand si- signals in, in LARP, uh, for those of you that have never LARPed before, um, and that they know the out-of-character hand si- signal um, so that they can step out of character at any point in time and just ask the other players, What? What you know, like what's going on? Wait, what can I do? You know, like, and I make sure that they know that they can show their sheet if they feel comfortable to other players and go, "Someone help me." Shouldn't I we like, always feel comfortable showing our sheet to yeah, other we players? Should. Everyone we should. should. But, I mean, but you don't. Not but we always. Should. <laughs> I, I like to 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 point out to the new players in a LARP that when they make the "I'm out of character" hand signal, that they always instead of starting with "What," they should always start with "I'm a new player." What? Yeah. Um, because I found that if you start with "I'm a new player," a lot of t- especially if your LARP is in a network where, like, maybe this guy's not new, maybe he's just traveled from Detroit or whatever, right, yeah. you know, um, that that always helps. It's, okay, fair. So the other thing I like to do is is I'm a big fan. You know, t- in a tabletop game, everybody shows up and opens. You know, you you break Doritos together before you start playing, right? And yeah. so. So there is a bit of a, an element of being able to just go, this is this is Carrie. She is joining our group tonight. She's new. And so everyone is very aware. Carrie is the new person. You know, help them out. Um, I'm a big fan with, with LARP. You do a thing called pregame, which is sort of like a, uh, just a quick player meeting right before you call game on. Um, and you do that in a LARP because you have a bunch of people in a room and it's easier to just designate, okay, now everyone is going in character. But, you know, a lot of LARPs have huge pregames, too. Right, yeah. And I think that I think that pregame is a great time to go, hey, and also, everybody, we've got a new player tonight, so let's, you know, let, let's be kind, yes. give them a hand, and new player, make sure if you've got questions, you know, make the out-of-character sign and, and say, hey, I'm new, what's up? And, you know, tell your new player that at the same time you're telling all of your old players. Right. Yeah. And in mushing, I tend to make sure that new players know that uh, they can page me privately with any questions. And I've found that on the public channels on mushes, that when new players log on, people tend to swarm them and are just like, we want to be your friend. You know, and I actually have had to tell players sometimes, leave them alone for a little bit. You're filling up their box and they need to... You know, to be able to focus on what they're doing. I think um, they, they come on strong because they're, they're excited. excited. But also, I think there's also an element of, like, I want to recruit this guy to be on my character's team. Maybe. You, you yeah. know, that's actually a great thing. Uh, there's a theory that you have, like, if in a vampire game, you have your primogen recruit new players. Because then that builds up their own clan. Mm-hmm. And now you've given them an in-game incentive to do out-of-game things that you want them to do. <laughs> <laughs> We'll bribe them. All right, well, let's go ahead and call it then and do game wrap. Shut up and sit down. So floor XP is four, but I'm the curmudgeon and think that floor is stupid, so I'm giving you each two XP for attendance. Jason, you get two XP for alienating all the mushers by telling them that you think it's stupid. Uh, Oh, wait, wait, I didn't say stupid. I said boring. You said boring. Carrie, you get 10 XP for being the first to drop the rape word on our podcast. Uh, And Jason, you get 10 XP for coming in costume. That's right. uh, Thanks for listening, everybody. This has been On a Roll, and we hope that 
you can go out and have a little bit more fun at your role-playing game. Carrie, help me get this makeup off. All right. Until next time, I'm Ryan. I'm Carrie. I'm Jason. Remember, the only way to win at an RPG is to have fun. Join us next time when our topic is the latest Onyx Path 20th anniversary publication, Street Fighter 20. All the thoughts and opinions that were discussed and shared on this podcast are those of the people making the podcast only and nobody else. Special shout out to Ben Sound, which is where we received all of our music for tonight's show. You can find music at www.bensound.com.